Ho, 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 and welcome to the second Christmas installment of Tasting Anarchy's Christmas Carol. Uh, I'm your host, Jacob Lindsay, and I'm joined as always by Mason Joseph. And today we are joined by the ghosts of Christmas present, because who do we know, Mason, that lives more in the present and is kind of more of a just lives life to its fullest who do we know that does that the most hmm hmm i would if if it's not set i would oh. say nathan Tapitza. oh well you are correct it is nathan Tapitza. we should try to get seth on to be the ghost of christmas present next year yes we have not spoken to him in a long time either although he could be ghost of christmas past also but yes that could be ghost of anything he wants that's true yeah so, the, yep, the, so the ghost of Christmas present for this year is going to be Nate, the man who I believe lives his life day to day with just the – actually, I, I'll, I'll quote Bird Arcus, our friend, one of our friends from over on the uh, Friends Against Government podcast who said um, – he says, don't you just love it when somebody know, is clearly more advanced at having fun than everybody else? <laughs> yes, and and Nate kind of strikes me as that kind of person where he's just he's just better at having fun than everybody. He lives in the day, he enjoys life. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure he has sad moments, and I'm I I know that you know he and I lived together for three or four years, so I've seen him have rough moments, but he's always able to put that aside, be very jovial, enjoy whatever's going on, and so. Mm-hmm. He and I um, discussed a couple of things, and why don't you give it a listen, Mason, and we'll we'll discuss it after you've heard what he has to say. Hello, Nate. Welcome to this Christmas cheery interview. Ooh, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, and all that good stuff that's coming up. Yeah. Why don't you share with us either your favorite Christmas story or one of the favorite Christmas traditions that you do in your family? Well, I kind of I kind of have a little bit of uh, of both, I guess. Um, probably one of my f- my favorite tradition though has to be Christmas morning mimosas. Mm, that's good because that'll that'll tie into the second question. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's uh, it's one of the things that we've started doing. Maybe well since we've turned twenty one, probably only in the last three years or so. But uh, there's just something you know. You get up now that you're an adult. You know you don't have necessarily the the full wide eyed wonder of the being a, a, a young youth. Yeah. And uh, so it's nice. You wake up, you get you know get some coffee going, and while breakfast is being made, you start kicking back some, some mimosas. And by mid morning, you're opening up presents and totally stoked about everything. <laughs> yeah, that, that's that sounds pretty good. So you said you said you've been doing that for the last three years. Yeah, it's been about the last three years or so. Uh, well, who who's who do you? Here. Okay, so it's at your uncle's. Uh, well, actually, it's been out my house. My mom is mom's been coming out. Uh, you know, I have a little one bedroom, one bath, uh, 860 square foot house. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, she's been coming out here to Illinois and, uh, during the Christmas, and you know she'll stay here. And it's just because it's so small, it's just really nice and cozy and fun to do our Christmas. So we'll do Christmas morning here. Um, usually my grandparents will come over, and um, you know we'll just kind of do the presents opening thing all morning, and then in the afternoon we'll go to my grandma's and my aunt, uncle, cousins, and everybody gets there. And so we continue that, and then you know it's just kind of a fun day of, of I guess day drink. And yeah, 
presents and just general merriment. Okay. Well, that, that sounds pretty good. You got any, yeah. any uh, good holiday stories you want to share with our audience? Oh, I, I don't know about a particular story, but uh, I did one of my favorite uh, Christmases was actually when we went out to and went to a snow lodge um, and did snowboarding, skiing, and stuff like that instead of like a traditional Christmas because we usually we always just did, you know, the, the morning thing. You're at the house. You're doing Christmas. But one year we decided to go out and actually go on, you know, an adventure for Christmas. And the presents were a little less, but we went out and had a lot of fun. And, um, you know, th- there is definitely to be something to be said for, you know, going out and experiencing something. You know, it's not always about the gifts. It's, you know, doing something with your family and having a great time and, you know, kind of experiencing something jolly and fun. That's true. You know, we actually did something very similar one year is when we were moving from California to Virginia, we didn't want to have to bring a bunch of extra stuff with us. And it was getting pretty close to when we were going to move. So we did a snow trip that year as well. It was the first mm-hmm. time I had ever been snowboarding or skiing. Uh, I tried snowboarding at first and I didn't like having like both <laughs> both feet together yeah. on one thing. So I switched and, to skiing. <laughs> yeah. Well, I switched to skiing and I loved it. It was great. And then Good I deal. fell and then I fell down and broke my collarbone. <laughs> <laughs> That's not a Christmas vacation. I don't know what it is. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and, and here's the best part, though. I felt I was I was skiing down with my dad, and I fell down, and like he, you know, skis up, and he's like, "Hey, are you okay?" And I was like, "No, I think I broke my shoulder." And he like grabs my shoulder and shakes it, and then he goes, "Eh, it's fine. Just walk down the hill." <laughs> And, and we, 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 you're not shrieking in pain. It's probably yeah. not the worst. Oh, uh, I it hurt really bad, but I, but after he did it and it was and like the throbbing stopped and stuff, I was like, yeah, you're probably right. It's probably not broken. And he was, yeah, and he was just like, he was just like, well, meet me down the hill. I'll take your skis. And we got down there, and then like I took my jacket off and shirt, and it was very clear that it was broken because it was just like <laughs> a big bulge, and and he felt so bad. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Christmas injury. Yeah, exactly. Every every Christmas, and I think it was usually me that had the Christmas injury. I'm not. I'm not the. I wouldn't say I'm accident prone, but I'm not. I'm also the one who's, I guess, more prone than the girls. Not not the most graceful. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so the second Christmas question for you, or and you've already brought up mimosas as a holiday beverage of choice. Um, is there any recommendation that you have to the crowd on either how to make a mimosa, what you would put in it? Do you use do you use champagne or do you use prosecco or uh, some other type of sparkling wine? How do how do you normally put your mimosas together? Well, usually where it's. Uh kind of go fairly cheap for the most part um we sometimes go for more of the the quantity instead of the full-on quantity uh you know quality Mm -hmm. uh but i'll usually get some of the i try to go as like the the nice um whole fruit orange juice and stuff versus like some of the minute made and and what have you you know you want you'll want um some some of the good organic stuff and usually i'll get one with like the mango flavor or the banana and get a few flavors going so you can kind of switch throughout the day um and yeah usually by if you get the flavored orange juice it kind of covers up any of the like the the quality i guess of the of the champagne so to say yeah so i guess that's true so it's not as not as important um, yeah. i mean if you're a little if you're a little more high class then Maybe it makes a difference, but, um, you know, it, it usually does the trick. Yeah. Well, and, you know, one thing, and I don't drink mimosas very often. Mason Mason, and Ashley actually really love mimosas, and I just – I wouldn't say it's not my thing. 
because I don't know for sure that I've never had one. But one thing I do know about sparkling wines is, and this, I guess, is a tip for the listeners, is champagne does have the reputation and, I guess, the um, the clout right. with it. But you can actually get a lot of other sparkling wines that are very good. Prosecco, in particular, is also very popular and famous and you can usually get very like a i guess a larger bang for your buck on prosecco mm-hmm. um and this is a little less common and a little more difficult to find but you can get a sparkling wine from cornwall in england and uh a lot of times those are very good value as well and they're very good they're very good sparkling wines one thing that's in particular about uh british wines is that this and i think actually you and i have discussed this nate on a previous mm-hmm. episode, this has been one of the best years ever for uh, wine in Britain. It's like it was like a perfect year, right? And they produce so much more than they normally produce that they actually had to dispose of some of the grapes because they didn't have the processing capacity. And so, what do we do with all these grapes? Exactly, and they were they were shipping some of them out of the country to be processed elsewhere and um, trying to like sell them to other wineries in the country. And those wineries were all going like, well, we have more than we can handle. And um, so, I think maybe in the next couple of years, you'll be able to get some really nice, inexpensive British, particularly Cornwall sparkling wine for a really fair price because the market's really going to be saturated with this like outstanding vintage of British wines. So that might be in you know Christmas 2022, you might be having mimosas with a nice sparkling Cornwall right. instead of uh, sparkling yeah. champagne. Getting fancy. Yeah, and I do. I, there's actually one. We went to um, uh, Benny. We have a place called Benny's, which is kind of like a wine emporium, and they have beer and all sorts of stuff. Um, and we did a taste testing one fairly recently, and they had this Moscato that was absolutely delicious. Oh yeah, right. Um, and it's a Sirocco Moscato Diasti 2017. Um, the picture on it, it's a white, got a white label, green text, and then it's got like a kind of a grassy, kind of multicolor, kind of color background going on. Um, it's only. 15 to like $18 mm-hmm. and it is downright delicious. You know, I'm not much into Moscatos. Usually they're too sweet for me. Right. Um, and, but this thing was delicious. So if, if you're not, if you can't do the, the mimosa cause the orange juice is too acidic or something like that, you know, a good Moscato can kind of take its place. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean that, that's a good recommendation. Um, and I think there are a lot of people like I, I actually get heartburn pretty bad from orange juice. I usually mix um, water in like I'll do like a quarter orange juice and then like the rest water, which some people think is really gross, but I think it's pretty good. Um, but yeah, in, the, in that case is, you know, maybe get a something like that, like a Moscato that's, uh, you know, fair price and that would be a great, a great Christmas treat. Right. Uh, I, you know, I'll bring this up with you. Real quick, because I've tr- I tried this last year and I've never done it before. Have you ever had a mulled wine? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. okay. I've never done that before. Last year I did it. It was really good. Um, you, I mean, I, I I don't know a huge amount about it. I don't know how much you know, but you want to just go ahead and describe it real quick to the audience. Like, what is a mulled wine? Well, mulled wine is typically uh, served warm, but you you have a, a red wine base, and then you have a, a various uh, what, what they would call mulling spices. Mm-hmm. Um, which will be um, the uh, uh, cloves, um, uh, nutmeg, cardamom, cinnamon, allspice, and um, you kind of put it in and let it simmer with, with some wine, and you kind of get this really nice, just like homely, like really good, like you just want to curl up. It's definitely kind of a winter, it's definitely a winter drink. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, cold outside, it's kind of, I, I would say it's probably more of like a, a an evening drink versus necessarily a fresh in the morning. That's true, yeah. It, it's, a, it's a nice, like, nightcap and... Uh, 
great for Christmas parties to go with, uh, you know, some of the other Christmas drinks that are going out. <laughs> well, you know what? You know what I used for my red wine base when I made it, and this is a wine that you're very familiar with, and that's Black Box Cabernet Sauvignon. Oh yeah, um, which at Total Wine is sixteen dollars for the box, and it's I think the equivalent of four bottles. Yep, it's not outstanding, but it's good wine, and it's for the price, it's very good. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and um, also, I actually I took your recommendation from the last time that I was there, and I went to uh, Aldi's and got me some Wink and Nowell. Mm. What did you think? Which one did you get? So I got the Shiraz, I got um, the Merlot, which I haven't tried yet, and then the Cab Sauv. So I think those are the three reds that they have. So uh, the the I'll give you like my quick review on those because I've had all three. The Cab Sauv is serviceable; like it's not yeah. outstanding, but it's good. Um, yep, it's a good bring to a party where you know people don't like appreciate in quotations wine. Right. So like here, have some fun. Yeah, exactly. It's that. It's not bad, but it's not like if if I'm becoming a wine snob, which I'm really not. Like I, I don't know very much about it still, but I do know Cab Sobs pretty well. I I think that it's not tannic enough, and it's a little bit right. too fruity, but. Mm-hmm. For people who are not really familiar with Cab Sauvs or who like a little bit of a sweeter wine, it's a great wine to bring to a party. Or it's a great third or fourth bottle to open if you're just having a regular get-together with people who do like wine. Right. Um, the, or it's a good, like, second bottle. You have your good first bottle, and then you guys just need something to keep things going. Exactly, yeah. And Now, the Merlot, which I've had as well, I am not a fan of Merlot. I don't right. – I, I, to me, it doesn't really taste like anything. I know that Merlot has a lot more subtle flavors than, like, Cab Sauv or, uh, you know, some of the other reds that I like, like the um, – Tempranillo is one of my favorites, and that's a very aggressive uh, red wine. The Merlot is a lot more subtle and does have a little bit more delicate flavors. I'm not a huge fan of the Winking Owl one, but I'm also not a huge fan of most Merlots. Yeah, and I, I when I first started drinking wine, I really, you know, I, I'm a dark, you know, I like the the red dry wines, tannins and stuff like that. And so for me, like getting into the wine world, Merlot was actually one of my favorite for a while. But as I've been expanding, um, I I really like it in um, blends. Yeah. It's a really good like body bl- for for a good blend, and, and I very much agree, particularly with like the old world. Uh, I, I've been getting into uh, French Bordeaux lately, and mm-hmm. um, they do they do blend that a lot with Cab Sauv, yeah. um, and and they do and with other things as well. But I think for as far as a blending to give it more body, a little bit more complexity, it is good on its own. I'm not a huge fan, and the Winking Owl one again, I think it's serviceable. I don't think it's a bad wine. I don't think it's outstanding. And, and so maybe if you're into Merlots, it, it might be a good second or third bottle Merlot. The last one, the Syrahs, I actually give that one high praise. I think that is a good Syrahs. Yeah, I um, I, I, I think it's uh, serviceable. Okay, all right, all right. <laughs> but um, I think that it has the quintessential Syrahs flavor. That's Yeah, that's uh, how I – that's it's exactly how I would describe it is it tastes like a Syrahs. It's right. it's not anything special, but it uh, it tastes like what it's supposed to be. Yeah, and I'm actually interested. Like, I'd be interested, and in, maybe we kind of t- touched on this before. Like, I'd actually kind of be interested in actually aging that for a little bit, mm-hmm. and then seeing how it does. Do they norm? Um, do you know if they normally age Syrahs? Um, I I couldn't tell you. Okay. Um, I think for a, for a really when you, when you, if you open up a bottle of wine and you can taste that it's fairly acidic. Okay. Uh, then then you can typically kind of set it aside for a little bit longer to kind of uh, <laughs> kind of cool down a little bit. Yeah, let it mellow out. Yeah. Yeah, because that'll that'll go with 
with time. Okay. Um, so a lot of the times when I, I taste a wine that seems like it's got some good notes to it, but to me it's just kind of like a little little more acidic than I care for. Um, I might get one just to, to experiment because I haven't really been able to, you know, I haven't <laughs> up until maybe the last three years or two years, you know, all the wine that I bought I drank. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I um, I didn't really have the, the best uh, control over it, but since I had been ordering from Virginia and, um, you know, we went to the to the tasting um, at the, the wine store, essentially. Yeah. And um, there was some there that I really wanted to keep and, you know, put down in the basement for a little while and grab some. But it also helps having more of a more of an income that you can, you know, drop 150 um, for a 12, you know, for a case at, at the wine store and, you know, afford to put three or four downstairs and have yeah. the rest to drink. Well, especially like one of the things that I've, I'm thinking about doing, and right now it's difficult to do because I live in an apartment and I don't want to have to move the wines, is when you find a good one that's on sale is this is a, I guess a, a pro tip for the audience when you find a good one on sale um, and you like it go go buy a couple of them and put them on you know put them off to the side to kind of mellow out over time and just see how they are I had a really good Rioja that was on sale for ten dollars at Kroger it's normally seventeen dollars so it was mm-hmm. a seven a seven dollar savings is substantial 2012 mm-hmm. the same one that was a 2005 was uh, about $45 and there was a lot of people online saying a 40, that $45 was a bargain for that particular vintage at that age and so I was kind of going like huh maybe I'll go back to Kroger and I'll buy it for 10 bucks and buy a couple of them and just save them but when I end up going back to Kroger two or three weeks later it wasn't on sale anymore it was $17 <laughs> so uh, so I was like man eh, yeah. you know I don't know. I don't know if I want to buy it for $17 and hold it for a couple of years just to see what it's like but for $10 I'd buy right. th- I'd buy 3 and just yep. kind of hold them. Yep. Yeah, because and that's and one of the things that you know going to this wine tasting they did. They had like four different tables and they had the different regions. So a lot of times these wine um, these wine places when they have kind of bigger events versus um, I, what was it Total Wine or where did we go to? When uh, we, oh, when, yeah. When we would go to those beer and wine tastings, it was Grape and Gourmet. Yeah, but the, and they only had maybe like five wines. Uh, once a week mm-hmm. um so over time you could find some things but it was really nice that they had like this kind of a bigger event um that they had four tables you could really go around and a lot of the times at those events they discount the bottles yeah um, or at least some of them are at a discount so um it's a really good opportunity to kind of go around taste um especially if they have the four tables you might want to contemplate doing it uh going to dinner somewhere close by afterwards right right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um it's a really good way to actually, um, one, actually find some grapes that you just, I went to it and they were talking about grapes that I was like, I've never heard of that grape before in my life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you could find some new favorites that way too. That's, yeah. You know what? And actually, uh, speaking of new grapes, we had on, uh, well, I mean, as of when this is being recorded, it'll, I'm not sure when the episode would have come out, but we had a guest on Jackson Blood who I met on Twitter. Super knowledgeable guy. He's starting a wine import business and um, he is very good at going, well, what do you like already? And and in particular, whites, because I was like, well, I kind of want to venture into whites, but like right now I really only like Sauvignon Blanc and um, Vignier and Vignier because you introduced me to that, Mm -hmm. Nate. And, um, and he was like, okay, well, it sounds like you kind of like dry whites. And he gave me a list of like five or six dry whites I've never heard of. And he says, the reason you haven't heard of these is because of the way that they label wines in other places is a little bit different than the way they label wines here. So, um, when you, when you get a Bordeaux, for example, you're usually getting one that's cab sauve heavy and it's blended with other things. So it's going to be 50, 60% cab sauve and then other stuff. Same thing 
with whites is you can get straight whites. Like Rieslings are usually straight whites. And um, and, and I like Riesling okay, especially dry Rieslings. And, uh, but he said, like, here's some that are in France that are very good. Here's a couple that are in Spain that are very good. And these are dry whites that you probably haven't heard of the grape varietals, but I'll tell you the region. And then when you go to the Spain section, right. if you see this in the Spain section, this region, look for the white in that region. And it's going to be heavier on this grape. So it'll be a little bit drier, a little less fruity, a little less sweet. And oh. Um, and I'll show this with you, Nate, and maybe I'll put them in the show notes for people because uh, that's one, you know, one thing that Mason and I have always talked about when going into the show is that we do have preconceptions of the wines that we like. Mm-hmm. I I like dry wines, and fruit wines kind of make me sick to my stomach, or, or like not fruit wines, sweet wines. Fruity fruitiness is fine, but the but when it's a lot of people will. Comp- use fruitiness and sweetness because fruit is sweet but yep. you can have a very dry wine that is also very fruity a norton is a perfect example of that yeah exactly yeah norton or or even the um tempera tempranillo can be very fruit heavy like the one that i had uh tonight while we were talking is uh, a texas tempranillo and it's not sweet but it is fruity and the the fruity notes that it has reminds me a lot of kansas city barbecue which is a sweet barbecue but mm. when you think about it it's like there is a sweetness which is like the sh- flavor of sugar but then there's other flavors too that make it more compli- complex and the fruitiness is kind of what um is fine in that and it's dry and it's acidic and it's tannic um and you know so on and and uh like you know i was saying riojas they also are uh, heavy on the Tempranillo. And you and I, when you were here and when we went to the state fair, we had Tempranillos there. And those were, we liked those a lot. And actually, the the, v, oh, yeah. the, the company, which is, um, I'm, I'm blanking on their name, it's like McCulloch or something like that. McPherson. McPherson, that's look, it. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking at the, they had a La Jarencia, uh Viognier, and an Albarino. Yeah, well, we had the Viognier. Oh, and, yeah. and, and I don't know if we had the Albarino. I think we had the, oh, I, oh did, you did? Okay, so. Their this was Vignet. the first one that we did. I think we tried all of them in like. Okay. Days. Okay. Well, their Vignet I liked so much that I've actually I'm on like my fifth or sixth bottle of their Vignet. Oh, nice. Yeah, because uh, I like it so much, and when I want a cold, drier white wine, that's what I've been drinking. Oh yeah, it's got a nice butteriness to it. Even yeah. If it's done in steel, it's it's a good one. Yeah. Well, sort of to to bring this back around because we're running a little bit longer than the segment. Um. Back to Christmas. Do you have anything else Christmassy related? Because I have one more Christmas question for you after this. Um, not particularly, other than uh, I always like getting my, getting making sure I have a nice live tree. Like, yep, yeah, we're still on the plastic tree, but I think when we get a house, we'll switch to live. Oh yeah, there's something about going out, and um, we actually went out to a place, mm-hmm. um, and some places now you don't get to chop down your tree anymore for uh, insurance reasons, which is kind of a bummer. Yeah, because that's kind of part of the fun is you know taking this on. It's really easy to chop through it. Uh, saw through a pine man i should i should we should do an episode about that because that was a huge christmas tradition when i was a kid was going down and chopping our own tree yeah i mean it's a it's a lot of you know you go out especially if they have a place that you can get some hot cocoa while you're out there maybe some cider yeah you know mom's going out and picking some wreaths you know and um that was definitely you know and then especially as kids you're running around like trying to find the best tree yeah yeah well you know and you know my younger sister and she'll be on hopefully this Christmas episode, she gets a tree tag so that they can go out into the wilderness and chop one. Oh, 
Um, but California sells out of those tree tags very quickly, and huh. they they I guess didn't get get it in time, so they can't. They would have to go to a farm, and they decided not to go to a farm. They just I guess they got it somewhere else. But I'm gonna try to have her on and talk to her a little bit about those regulations because there because there's the insurance stuff, but then there's also government regulations that prevent people from going out and chopping down a tree, even if the tree is in your own yard. Sometimes you have to get permission from the government to, to chop it down for Christmas. It's, it's kind of yeah, it's a it's a it's a weird thing. So just to you know, bring this all back around and wrap it up, Nate. What is your favorite Christmas carol? Uh, Holy Night. All right, that's what's going to be playing in the background. Holy night. <laughs> that's going to be playing in the background. You know, it's funny because you you went ahead and started singing it, and when I had uh, the interview with my sister Jory, she started singing it also. When she, she, hers was Noel, so I was okay. like, "What's your favorite Christmas carol?" And she's like, "Noel, Noel, Noel." <laughs> I was like, yes, that's that's the reaction I want. Okay, well, thank you for stopping by for this uh, Christmas episode. Nate and I are going to be discussing you behind your back after he listens to this. <laughs> um, but we're going to try to have you on later on so that Mason and I can have it. We've we've actually now done an episode where it's been three people, Mason, me, and a guest, and it worked okay. out really well. So I think having you on for a show with both Mason and me is going to work out real well. Maybe for New Year's, um, if if we're able to do it, we'll go ahead and get a New Year's episode together with you, and we'll try to all have the same wine and do a, a nice three-person interview or review on it. Yeah. Uh, hey, Mason, I know you're going to be hearing this. Love you, buddy. Can't wait to hear from you, hopefully, in the new year. All right. Well, then we will go ahead and wrap it up there um, from the Christmassy Tasting Anarchy. I'm Jake. And I'm Nathan. All right. Thank you, guys. Have a good night. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. All right, Mason. What did you think about... Christmas morning mimosas. <laughs> well, as as usual, I am uh, for mimosas, as as the episode uh, clearly clearly describes. Mm-hmm. Um, however, I don't usually cheap out. Not that there's anything wrong with it. Yeah. Um, but if I'm going to build up that much heartburn, I'm going to go with the. Uh, the I'm going to go. Well, Ashley and I really like barefoot prosecco. Oh, okay. See, I've, I've um, always actually thought that Prosecco was better for mimosas. Even though I don't really like mimosas very much, I feel like you get more bang for your buck with a Prosecco because you're going to get a higher quality one for a lower price. Well, I will I will talk to um, Jackson's point of view in this, mm-hmm. let's say. Mm-hmm. the So, as you know, I'm, I'm not a... I don't care if the you know, Californians call it champagne or not. Right. But actual, actual champagne and mimosas can be very good because the, there's something about champagne that it is different than general sparkling wine. Mm -hmm. Um, especially the ones that are kind of mixed, the blend to be uh, champagne style. Um, but there's sometimes they get the different flavors, you know, like the can develop in the champagne and it, it is really good. Um, so I'm not against it there, and um, and then we we usually get like the uh, I can't it's like simply orange. Oh, but okay. I personally like a lot of pulp. My wife doesn't, so oh, right. You and me, we're both pulp people. <laughs> yeah, like I I you know, just put the orange in there. Yeah, that's kind of, that's that's sort of how I feel about it. It's like I, I would like I like to be able to chew my orange juice. Yeah. Well, what you know what you might have to do sometime is uh, get some prosecco. And uh, just muddle oranges into it. Yeah, that'd be a good idea. And, and then do that as our um, do that as our mimosa. Okay, well we, let's try that. Yeah. Like when when you and I are together again next time around the holiday yeah. season, we'll try making tasting anarchy style mimosas. 
Yes. Uh, so what yeah. else did you get from, from the Nate episode that you wanted to comment on? I, I had a really good time talking to him, as I always do, and he he had some pretty cool Christmas traditions. And... Yeah, and that's the thing with Nate is it's always – like you and Nate have a very strong family tie. And not that I don't necessarily, but like I don't remember – like very specific traditions except for like my mom used to give us every year like an ornament okay. like a, from like things remembered or you know it's like a pewter ornament with our names on it in the year okay so like we always got to open those on new year or christmas eve so we could put them on the tree so okay. like for a long time all of our ornaments were just our names but like you know it'd be teddy bear or star and she always kind of did a good job of getting like somehow, like, I don't know if she opened the box ahead of time and just remembered what she hadn't bought before. Mm-hmm. But you know, it was never like the same one again. So right. Um, but now, and this is one of those things that, like, when you look at how Vignet is spelled. Oh yeah, it's it's. I always have to look it up. Like when you asked me how it's mm-hmm. spelled, I had to go look it up because I knew it had like a G in there somewhere. Yeah. Like it's so, like Viog Viognay or. Or something well, like it's, that. It's like Wagner. Wagner, yeah, kind of, yeah. yeah. So it just makes me think of King of the Hill Wagner grills. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, um, so this weekend, um, you know me, I like I, I like to try to get a wine on Saturdays mm-hmm. and we record on Sundays. So right. I'll go to Total Wine or I'll go to the uh, grocery store. So this weekend, I got a, I went to Total Wine and I went to Total Wine when my daughter takes a nap, which is what I normally do. If okay. I don't go to the grocery store, but we did things a little differently this weekend because normally we go to the grocery store first thing on Saturday mornings mm-hmm. and you know, I go to the discount area. So I went to total wine after looking at vignettes and finding a couple and, and I got one that I'm drinking tonight that I'm not going to review because I want to go over it on, you know, like a full episode with you so we can sure. dive into it and everything like yeah, that. Yeah. And then I found one on sale at Kroger. So I have two vignettes in the house now. Oh, cool. <laughs> so, okay. Like, and I'll say this, and, you know, this is not a knock on Tempranil, uh, Carminari, you know, Cab Sob, Cab Franc, mm-hmm. any of the red wines. Right. But I've been drinking a lot of red wine recently. Mm-hmm. And so, you know me, like, I like coffee, and I like to drink espresso, and because I've been doing intermittent fasting, when I drink coffee in the morning, I used to do it with milk. Mm-hmm. Now it's just straight espresso. <laughs> right. So it's very bitter. And we're still trying to dial in our machine, trying to find the right coffee, all that stuff. But it's just straight espresso, so it's, it's very rough. And I think I've, that's been translating into some of my wine tastes. Mm, mm, that because makes I've sense. been drinking, you know, drier red wines, which can be a little tough on the palate. Mm-hmm. And this weekend, like, I was looking at our wine. And we had, like, a Dark Horse uh, Sauvignon Blanc. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, let me try some of this before I open the vignette. Okay. Had a sip of it, and I was just like, this is why I like wine. This right. is so sweet and different. It's com- you know, completely different than these, and I hate to use the word harsher, but harsher red wines I've yeah, been yeah. having. <laughs> well, they, they are, there is a, a difference there, is, and I, I mm-hmm. think, and it's, I mean, as the listeners know, we've talked about this before, is that, like, one of the things that makes red wine red, it doesn't, it's not necessarily be because it's red grapes, but usually it is, mm-hmm. but it's that it's, um, the skin is left on and mm-hmm. the stem is left in through the fermentation process, or at least part of it. Yeah. Uh, and the longer it's left on, the more of the, the pigments from the skin come into the wine and make it that mm-hmm. kind of redder color. 
Um, but you can get white wines, like, you know, white Zinfandel, which is kind of a pinkish hue, but it's, you can get a white Zinfandel, and Zinfandel is very, very dark. And, mm-hmm. But then the white Zinfandel is kind of a pinky color, and it's because they don't, they don't let it sit with the skin and with the vine. Yeah. Um, but then that's kind of, yeah, it's where you're, you're not getting those harsher, like, I, I don't know, you're right, I don't, I, I, I'm reluctant to describe it as harsh, you're not getting the same flavors from a white as you are from a red most of the time. Yeah, I think, I, I think I'll use the word aggressive. Yeah, aggressive, that's better, that's better, like, yeah. I think red wines are more aggressive in general, now you can get like a uh, noir, which isn't um, it's still more aggressive than like a, a Vignet or Sauvignon Blanc yeah. um, that aren't that are kind of more on the sweet side. Yeah, they're you know like you can get a Grigio or a, right. a Riesling that are like you know the non-sweet versions. Yeah, and and they can be very acidic and kind of upfront with you. But it was like, oh wait, <laughs> this is what I love in wine. Right. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Well, and you know, is, sort of to that point, I actually had this week a Chardonnay Blanc. Which is, um, I know that when I say that, it's going to record weird, and I'm gonna, it's gonna kill me every time I hear it. But uh, it's the <laughs> same grape as in Champagne, or mm-hmm. one of the one of the grapes they use in Champagne yeah. is uh, Chardonnay Blanc, and it is a very refreshing grape. If you like Sauvignon Blanc, um, Chardonnay Blanc is a much more floral version of that. Kind of tastes a little bit like pear. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and if you like Vignet, I would say it's like a less grassy version of Vignet. Um, well, I have a French vignette. Okay. Oh, okay. So that's interesting. And I have an American vignette. Yeah. So I have a Tex. I had Texas vignette here. Mason yeah. drinks Virginia vignette, and I had a Texas Sharon uh, and Blanc. Although, the, from what I've been reading online, the Texas Sharon and Blanc compares very favorably to uh, French Sharon and Blancs from, I guess, Luray or Leroy or however you say it. Yeah. yeah. I forget how Jackson pronounced it. Yeah. We're both close but we're coming at it from different directions yeah 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 so but kind of going back to nate um Mm -hmm. what else did you did you think that you you saw from that like he's got some really interesting christmas traditions there's a few things that i didn't really pick this out from him but it's interesting to see it because it's a smaller family dynamic Mm -hmm. when there's only two kids whereas like we'll hear this from the ghost of christmas future but Mm -hmm. when you have um Five kids, like in my family, the traditions do sort of have to revolve around having five kids. Yeah, um, and and that's the what I'll what I'll say is, and this isn't a knock on your family. Yeah, because I know with your former work dynamic, it's a little different, and this year's a little different too, with your your dad's duty station changing, mm-hmm. and you know your sisters not necessarily being in flux, but like you know, there's there's been a lot of changes in everybody's yeah. life recently. Yeah. Um, like Nate's family seems to like they did a lot of, when they were young, but they still kind of do the same level now that they're older. Right. Yeah. And just with like, mimosas mixed in. <laughs> yeah, with mimosas <laughs> mixed in and stuff like that. Whereas, like in in my family, it's not that we don't, but like less of the extended family comes. Right. Okay. Like my like my I, you know I have an uncle and grandmother that live in town, so we always kind of do holidays with them. But like we used to have at least one cousin set kind of seemed to come to town every year. And now, you know, like two of my cousins that live on the West coast, Mm -hmm. um, you know, the others have like, they don't have kids or they do have kids, you know, so it's kind Mm -hmm. of like a, not many people travel as much anymore. Yeah. Well, and that's, you know, when I was a kid, 
and it may be just be because you know when you do the memories or whatever when i was a kid most of the family that we had contact with lived close enough that they would come to my grandma's for christmas and we lived with my grandma so mm-hmm. it was that kind of thing whereas nate it sounds like everybody does live apart there is i guess an anchor there in illinois mm-hmm. um, but they do all kind of come together and try to like work it out so that they can all each person participates in christmas in a different way yeah and and that's where like we used to be kind of part of the quasi anchor because my grandparents lived here so everybody would come to see the grandparents and then we just happened to be in town like we're the only ones who didn't leave (laughs) (laughs) right 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 exactly that makes sense and that was kind of for us too is that like everybody would come to see my grandma and we lived my grandma so and my grandma you know while he was while he was alive um so that was i don't know it's just it's it's an interesting different tradition and we didn't really talk about this much in the interview with Nate, but I wanted to bring it up because I've been, I've been, you know, I get Christmas nostalgia every year when it gets close to Christmas time. And I, <laughs> oh, yeah, you do. I've been looking at like, I've been listening to Christmas episodes of other podcasts, like Tell Em Steve Dave in particular. And one mm-hmm. thing that struck me about the Tell Em Steve guys, Tell Em Steve Dave guys, is, um, how incredibly important Santa Claus was to them growing up. Mm-hmm. And the way that they talk about it so fondly and stuff, and as I think I shared on the previous episode briefly, like my family didn't do Santa, yeah. So um, it, it's interesting to hear about people caring about that, and yeah, and that's the thing is like you know me, I don't have like a good young memory, like, right? I have flashbacks from it, but I don't, I don't like I know we did cookies and milk for a long time but my memory really kicks in after i knew santa wasn't real now i had a brother who's you know my brother's five years younger than me yeah so like i had to walk that line of not spoiling it for him mm-hmm. and i have a daughter now and she's just young enough this year that she knows christmas is coming but she doesn't understand that it's tuesday she doesn't mm-hmm. understand what tuesday is right you know, she doesn't understand tomorrow even right um and, you know, we were wrapping gifts and, you know, she's kind of at that age where you can still wrap the gifts in front of her and she doesn't really get it. Yeah. Um, so, but like, you know, my wife is, my wife's very big into the holidays, kind of like you, but not with the religious aspect that you do sure, for some sure. of it. Yeah. But she's super into the holidays and, you know, she, we got her, uh, my daughter a book the other day and she didn't really seem interested in the book, but I, like my wife was like, oh, I'll give it to her, you know, as the Santa gift. And I kind of looked at her like, I can't believe we're perpetuating this thing. But then you saw that, you know, really cute photo of her of Santa. Oh, I love so, it. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. And that's the thing is like, I don't like the idea of lying to my kid, mm-hmm. but I don't remember being that devastated when finding out those things weren't real. Yeah. Well, you know, so, I've, been, like, I've actually been talking <clears throat> to Victoria a little bit about it because I don't know what we're going to do. In, in Ukraine, they do St. Nicholas, which is a little bit different than our Santa Claus. And mm-hmm. he cu- he has his own day. It's uh, November nineteenth. Yeah. It's Saint Nicholas Day, mm-hmm. and that's when you like leave chocolates and candies and stuff like that under the pillow of your child. Mm-hmm. And, and it's not really like gifts, like toys and stuff. It's mostly like candy and things like that. Yeah. So like we've been talking about that and stuff. And I asked Victoria, you know, did you believe in that when she was kidding? She's like, yeah, but like it kind of was pretty obvious to me that it was you know not real. And, but then like listening to the Tom Steve Dave guys where they were like, oh, I was, I was 
horrified when I found out. Yeah. And and like I'm going like this like the idea that you would traumatize your kids with this to me sounds terrible. But at the same yeah. time, with your experience and with like Victoria's experience, uh there was no trauma. It was just like you figured it out and it was fine. Yeah, and that's the thing is like I think I remember being upset by it. But I don't remember being resentful for yeah, it. Yeah, okay. You know, and that's the thing is like like there's a you know there's a thing like agency yeah like you know so there's the idea of like when you know legal sense you have agency over yourself but like there's also like when you know and having a kid and watching my daughter kind of develop i you know you see she's she's starting to understand things are like things outside of herself and outside of mom and dad yeah yeah you know, she like like she doesn't quite understand that her grandfather passed away mm-hmm. and was never going to visit her again. Right. And she saw him almost every day of her life up until, you know, three weeks before he was gone. So, and, you know, she will look at photos of him on the wall that we have and she'll say, you know, Ponka. Right. Like, like she won't ask where he is. Right, right. And yeah, it's just not clicked like, yet. I think, you know, and I think... I can't remember which episode it was, um, if it was one of these, or if it was just something else. I think it may have been on the, the, the fag cast. Something you were saying where it's like you just didn't realize something for a long time. Yeah. And I was kind of thinking back, and it's like, I think when Jacob realized that, that's when I realized that. And oh, you know, yeah. It happens every once in a while where you're like, or you're like you're reading like a Reddit story when they're like, when did you learn something embarrassingly late? And then like somebody will post something like, you know, back in the day, blah, 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 was never true. And it's like, you know, like people viewed Columbus as a hero, you know, something silly. Yeah. And people are like in the thread will realize like, wait, that's not true. <laughs> you sure, know, yeah. Things. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there's been like, I have that kind of sense of with myself where it's like, I didn't think I, pro- I probably didn't realize I should be mad at my parents for lying mm-hmm. until it was way beyond the idea that I would even be mad at them for it. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, right. And I wasn't that broken up about Santa not existing. Like, it was just more of like, oh, yeah. But, like, I would like to talk to my dad and see if he remembers when I figured, when I learned it. Yeah, I, I would actually like to talk to my dad a little bit about this because come to find out in recent years, my mom didn't know this when we were kids, my dad cared about that, and he wanted us to believe in Santa. But my mom was so anti-Santa that um, that he just kind of didn't want to fight that fight so and I'd be interested to talk to him because apparently like it was a big part of his childhood mm-hmm. um, and you know just not I, I do distinctly remember having a conversation with my mom though around Christmas time when I was in kindergarten where she you know was bringing me to school we, she, we lived close enough to school that we could walk and she would walk me most of the time to the top of the hill and then watch me walk down the hill and go to the class. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember we got to the top of the hill and she stopped and she said, look, Jake, it's, it's getting very close to Christmas time. And I just want to let you know, like we don't do Santa and you know, it's fun to pretend. And sometimes, you know, we see the Santa Claus and Coke commercials and that kind of thing. And we see him around and it's fun because he is Christmassy and it, it is part of the whole Christmas spirit and all that sort of stuff. But Santa Claus isn't real and we don't believe that, but a lot of kids at your school do. And it's not your job to tell them he's not real. Mm-hmm. So if, they, if anybody starts talking about Santa, just don't say anything. And 
then I remember going like, okay, that makes sense and coming down. And then the kids asking like, well, what did you ask for Santa for Christmas? And me not saying anything. And then being like, come on, Jake, talk. And I'd be like, nope, not talking. <laughs> and they would go like, well, what did you ask for? Who did, what do you want Santa Claus to bring you? And I'm just sitting there with like my arms crossed, not talking, <laughs> not saying anything. <laughs> and I'm sure, you know, when you're a five-year-old kid, like the other kids are like, what's this kid's problem? <laughs> well, so to bring it to the, to kind of round out the end of this episode. Yeah. Let's talk about what Christmas is like in your house now with your wife. Since well, this is the yeah. episode of Christmas present and we should have done some of those stories. We should have, yeah. So yeah. so now – so I have a, a mixed household. Mm-hmm. Mixed meaning not with a different – well, I guess a different race. I'm not really sure how you would classify Ukrainians. but well, I'm um, not sure how we would classify your wife. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. But like – so Ukrainians have kind of different traditions than Americans. So mm-hmm. there's St. Nicholas Day, which is on the 19th of uh, December. Then they don't have American Christmas on the 25th. And mm-hmm. There's a whole history of why Eastern Orthodox and why Western Ortho- why Western Christians don't celebrate Christmas on the same day. But like we're not going to get into it for this episode. Um, but they don't have that. Their big holiday with gifts and stuff is New Year's. Mm-hmm. And... This is kind of a relic of the Soviet Union. The Soviet Union didn't really want there to be a huge emphasis on Christmas, so they kind of made Christmas a secular holiday and made it New Year's. So, mm-hmm. so you have a, a, a lot of similar Christmassy type things going on on New Year's, gift giving and that kind of thing, and like family gatherings, dinners, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, but then they do also have their own Christmas, which is on January 6th, I think. Um, and yeah, that, like, I think my friend's family called that little Christmas. Right. Yeah. So, and I think actually Victoria calls it something like that too. Like it's, it's the, it's the, it's not really a major holiday for them. They do some gift giving, but minor gift giving usually. And, mm-hmm. um, and they go to church and it's more of a religious holiday. Yeah. Uh, so the way that we do it in my house is, um, because St. Nicholas day is actually a children's holiday. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I don't get anything for St. Nicholas Day. I usually give Victoria candy or something like that. Now this year for St. Nicholas Day, because she was going out of town at, out of town to a conference, I got her a Fitbit for mm-hmm. St. Nicholas Day instead of candy or in lieu of candy. Um, <laughs> and then for Christmas, which is coming up, well, actually this is uh, Christmas present, so this is today. So Merry Christmas, everyone. Merry uh, Christmas for uh, those who want or need that <laughs> yeah, right exactly um so I, i'll give her you know the bulk of the, like the american style gifts for today mm-hmm. uh and she'll give me some gifts i'm sure and then on new year's we will go out probably and we'll have like mm-hmm. a, a dinner but i'll also have some gifts for her for new year's and then on little christmas or ukrainian christmas we will also do more gifts again so that's basically how it works here. Most, <laughs> mostly they're gifts for Victoria because, frankly, I don't care that much about getting gifts. If I want something, I usually get it in the middle of the year. Yeah. Um, and I don't wait. But Victoria's actually very good at um, figuring out things that I both want and would be practical mm-hmm. that I didn't really think about wanting for myself. Like, I mean, like, I'll, I'm the type of guy who will wear, you know, a pair of jeans with a hole in the crotch for, like, nine months. And, yeah. and it's just like, eh, whatever. Like nobody can see it if I keep my legs together. So, 
Um, yeah, I thought about trying to arrange with Victoria getting you some raw denim. Uh, shout out to Michael Malice's yeah. uh, episode because most of those come in like 36 length. Yeah. Like, so you could cuff them if you wanted, but like they come naturally at that length hemmed. Right. And well, then you could cuff them. So, like, I thought about trying to like like arrange something like that because I remember you saying you needed to get new jeans. And, I like, do, yeah. They have some really, you know, they're expensive, but they're not ungodly expensive. Well, after hearing that episode, I, I've been thinking that maybe I need to get that because I do, I go through jeans very quickly. They, I just wear holes in them somehow. And, and I, I, I think it's partially you're not wearing the right size. That could be, is because I do have to get, I, I'm an odd size. I have a mm-hmm. very narrow waist for a man who's 6'5, and, but I'm 6'5. So, yeah, I have to. It's hard for me to find a waist that fits and a length that fits. Usually, I, yeah. have, to, I usually have to get them online. Well, and here's the thing: is you're not even taking into consideration like if you get into like the raw denim, they they have ones that have um, a higher rise, and I think that's part of the issue. Is you probably should be wearing a pant with a higher rise to them. That could be. So, like, it would basically be a longer crotch in essence and they would sit at you at a different level on it that in part stops a lot of the blowout right but like in the raw denim scene like that's kind of like a sign of good things <laughs> right but, yeah yeah but I, yeah, ever but... since i heard that episode i was starting to go like well maybe i should start getting some of this denim because it sounds like it's like better built it's thicker mm-hmm. it lasts longer and when they were talking about prices like 200 dollars mm-hmm. is a lot of money for a pair of jeans but if it's a pair of jeans it'll last you for you know, five or six years, that's perfectly reasonable. Well, it depends. Some of them will, some of them won't. Now, what I would recommend you take a look at is Ciano Farmer, Mm -hmm. and I'll show you that later, but he's in Texas. Oh, okay. And, like, he's a complete custom shop. You pick the fabric, and you can send in dimensions. Oh, cool. And they, you know, you can pick, zip like, zipper type, uh, raw, like, it's, he's expensive, but not as expensive as some of the stuff that uh, the Naked and Famous guys on Malice were talking about. Right. But, like, really high-end. And he used okay. to do, like, used to be very big, and then he, like, kind of took his shop inside. But, like, the wait time on those can be, like, 18 weeks. But for you, like, that's not that bad. No, no, not at all. And, he's, and it's fun. He's in Texas. Yeah, <laughs> that, that is fun. Yeah. So anything else you uh, gleaned well, I was from? I say what my Christmas is like. Oh yeah, that's right. I, I, I I'm sorry, I did not. No, 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 no problem. You. <laughs> so like you, I don't. I buy what I want. That's practical all year anyway. Mm-hmm. Like my wife and I don't really hold back on purchasing things below a certain price point. So like, you know, I've wanted a new computer for <laughs> like. As long as yeah. you probably Pro- probably yeah. I mean, you've had yeah. that same Apple for yeah probably as long as I've known you, or close to. I've had it since like 2010 or 2011. Yeah, so that's and, that's maybe right around when you and I first met. Yeah, so I've had it for a very long time, and you know it still works fine, but it, it's like two operating systems back at this point, and you know a whole bunch of stuff. But like, mm-hmm. I don't practically see the need, and then like I've looked at Hackintoshes and stuff like that, so. My wife and I usually will either buy ourselves a gift in November, like okay. together, because we just basically pick what we want and we'll purchase that, mm-hmm. or like we'll just kind of get small stuff. So yeah. this year, 
you know, she wanted to get back into playing some games, so I got her uh, one of the new Xbox, or not a new Xbox one, because it's not the X, but, like, I got her some, you know, just happened to look on Walmart, and there was some fantastic deal, so I got her an Xbox, and then we got an espresso machine, which was, like, three times the cost of the Xbox. Oh, (laughs) that's funny. The Xbox wasn't cheap, but I got this super expensive espresso machine, and so I thought Christmas done outside of my daughter. Mm-hmm. So, you know, again, have a you know two-year-old. Um, so, you know, she's she doesn't under she gets wrap unwrapping things, but she doesn't understand that they're her things. Okay. Know, she just doesn't she doesn't have the agency yet. So, but we're like, oh, like one of my coworkers gave us this train table. So, like, where that's her gift, and decided you know don't really get her a bunch of extra stuff. And I'm sitting in uh, our study room. And there is a mound of gifts for her oh, that's funny. already, and many from family members. But then stuff, and then my wife dropped the the bomb on me the other day that, oh yeah, I I may have gotten you something extra for Christmas. And mm. while I don't feel the need to purchase anyone anything for Christmas, like not even my daughter, because like right. I get her what she needs when she needs it. Like, right. To me, that's to me that's the Christmas gift. It's like if somebody needs something in my family, like I'm going to help them out then I'm not going to be like, well, you need to wait to Christmas and it's July. It just doesn't make sense to me. I don't don't need to be charitable once a year Mm -hmm. or, you know, if if I'm going to be charitable, it's like on your birthday. Like to me, like I've always liked the like Eastern, um, like the Eastern Europe kind of new year's being an important thing. Cause I I think that is important and like your birthday. Mm -hmm. So of course my wife drops the bomb on me that she's going to, Get me some gifts, so or get me a gift. So of course, I go out and pick out a great gift in my mind. I get it, and then I somehow manage to get her two more gifts. <laughs> right? <laughs> like, crap. <laughs> so, that's good. Yeah. So yeah, like, that's good. I, you know, you and I are so alike in so many ways, and then you and my wife are alike in so many ways. Yeah. Where, like, you don't. You're like me, where like, you know, we've given each other gifts in 10 plus years of friendship once or twice. Yeah, I think so. And and it was, and I think it was pretty superficial gifts, like a six pack of beer or something like that. Yeah. Six pack of beer or a really fun item that we were both obsessed with. But like, you know, I think the gift giving total is under $80 outside of just meals. Like you count meals a little differently, but like, but then you're like my wife where you do like to give gifts to people you care about not that you don't care about me but like so like you know with your wife like she does expect a certain level of gifts but mm-hmm. like i think you probably always go just a little bit beyond that and that's the same thing with my wife where like oh here's this you know you got she allowed me to get the espresso maker i really wanted i'm super pumped with it like it's you know i don't need another gift for another couple of years right and then she's like oh i got you something else yeah <laughs> and, and it's like crap yeah well <laughs> so, i think i think like the 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 being the gift giver, what's fun about that is that um, it's like being able to figure out what somebody else needs and then them being appreciative of that is yeah. is like that aspect of it's fun. Like so, Victoria likes to get gifts, and but I give her gifts all year long, so she doesn't need anything special on Christmas. Mm-hmm. Um, and like one of like one of the things I gave her this year was uh, she really likes salmon roe, as I'm sure mm-hmm. you know. Um, and so I salmon roe is very expensive. Yes. And I usually tell her like, well, we can't get like, we can't get all of the salmon roe or whatever. Like, you have to order like a quarter of a pound or something like that of salmon roe, a very small amount. And uh, but th- for 
I gave it to her for St. Nicholas, or well, on her, when she came back, I gave it to her because I didn't want to wait till Christmas for it because it's, it's food. Um, yeah, it's a perishable item. Yeah, so I, I bought her two pounds of salmon roe. <laughs> and and then white bread to go with it because like the way that Ukrainians eat is they eat salmon roe, white bread, and like a ton of butter, and that's how they mm-hmm. eat, that's how they eat it, and it's like her favorite thing ever. So I bought her a whole <laughs> bunch of that. So like those types of gifts where like they're like, oh, how thoughtful or whatever, or like I try to throughout the year, and actually I did a terrible job this year on this, but uh, throughout the year I try to like make notes of like what did people mention they wanted that was mm-hmm. like not necessarily out of their price range, but that they couldn't really justify buying for themselves that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so like for Victoria, you know, she's got a job now, so she could buy whatever she wants for herself, but she, she knows that it's, it's good to like kind of save some items so that I've got something to get her on either special occasions or just as a nice thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. So anything else from the Nate episode? No, other than as always, Nate, thank you for taking the time to be on the show. I love you too, brother. Um, like when I heard that, I was like, I need to text Nate, but I was driving when I, <laughs> when I, I first heard it. Cause I, I did pre-listen to the Nate one only, uh, just yeah. so you guys know. Um, uh, but you know, that's cause I was super excited to have Nate on the show. Not that I wasn't excited to have Rick or your sister on, yeah. but you know, it was like, right. Hey, so well, I'm hoping uh, that all three of us can get together this summer. And we've been saying this for years and years and more years is we're yes. going to try to get together on the Shenandoah and go tubing. Yeah, I, I, there's a, there's a list of things that I need to do this year. Um, and depending on what we get cooking with bird and car in Texas, yeah, that may impact some of our plans, but those will be worth it. So that's a tease for, uh, those guys. Yeah. Um, so from Tasting Anarchy, this is Mason. All right. And this is Jake. We'll see you on the Ghost of Christmas future. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> Ho, ho, ho.